Welcome to the Solution Focus School's Unlimited Podcast Series. My name is Dr. Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Toward Solutions, the first book published in 1995 that took the solution-focused approach into classrooms from kindergarten through 12th grade all around the world. Now it is being printed for the third time, and it is available for purchase at Routledge.com. You can find that link in the description of this podcast. Today's podcast is the second edition of the original January podcast where I talked about solution-focused basics. Today I'm going to cover three different ideas of the solution-focused approach that are basic to the mindset behind becoming a solution-focused school counselor, school psychologist, administrator, or teacher. To start off, I'm going to talk about the idea that there is a ripple effect when one person does something different. Chances are in your schools, you have team meetings. Very often those team meetings are sessions where teachers typically talk about what's wrong with students. That is their job. Our teachers only know to notice deficits so that they can construct together ways to reach students. But sometimes those meetings get into such problem talk that there's not very much hope left at the end. So what the solution-focused approach does in this case is it allows us as the school counselor, administrator, teacher, to look at students slightly differently. The idea behind that means after you hear our well-intentioned teachers talking about what's wrong with the student, I would encourage you to say something like, you know, teachers, thank you so much for all that you've you're doing, I can tell you're all trying very hard to come up with ways to help this student, but it seems like we're kind of at an impasse here. And I notice that some of you don't appear as hopeful as I know that you would like to be. So just for the rest of our time, would it be okay if we began to think about how we are describing that student? And at that point, what you can do is to take various descriptions such as the ADHD kid or the angry kid or the kid who's disrespectful and literally re-describe it differently so that that ADHD kid becomes a kid with energy, a kid that maybe has a tough time focusing all of the time but can sometimes. Maybe the angry kid becomes a kid that has ideas to express and is not quite sure how to do it yet. And the other kid, who sometimes forgets to be respectful, possibly because everyone, he or she has not seen respect in their life, we could restory them as a student who hasn't experienced respect and therefore doesn't know how to give respect. Now, when I share with you these ideas, I'm not saying let it go. I'm not saying let's let's just overlook things. Quite the opposite. I am all about helping students become more responsible in the way they behave and interact with other people. But to do that, we have to also watch how we interact with them. I remember one time a high school teacher told me about a young man who came in one morning, the first day of school, and put his head on the desk and didn't raise up his head for the entire class. She was a chemistry teacher. 
And she was one of those teachers that all the students just flocked to whenever she was in the hallway or if she went to an event at school. So she knew how to engage. So on that morning, after all of the other students had left the classroom, she walked over and sat down in front of the young student because he was still asleep. Tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, hey, my name is Miss Johnson and, and I'm really glad you're in my class and I wonder is there anything I can do for you? Because I know that you sat here the entire time. She then said, I would really like to, to work with you and, and help you get engaged in my class. And the young man looked up at her and he said, ma'am, look, last night, my old man beat up my mom again. It's really hard at home. We had the police come over. It's really hard. And sometimes I just don't get to sleep. She said, okay, then here's what we're going to do. Let's come up with a signal. And if you have a tough time in the evening at home, you come into my class, all you have to do is give me that signal and I won't call on you until you're ready. And he looked at her with a lot of surprise in his eyes because he wasn't used to that kind of response. And she kept that promise. Also, what she did was let him know that there are counselors to help him and that she would be happy to walk him down to a school counselor should he decide that he'd like to talk to somebody. Now, what did she do in this scenario? She took the time. She took the effort to be that one person who was not going to get on him. And instead, she found a way to engage. And as a result, she had an engaged student. There is a ripple effect when people take that time to see a kid differently. Other teachers might have seen him as a kid who was just not willing to try or engage in class. This teacher saw him as somebody who might need a little bit of assistance to engage in a class. It made the difference. The next idea I wanted to share with you today is when we engage and cooperate with the school client's worldview, we can lessen resistance. So let's think about that for a second. Do you believe in resistance, students, teachers, and parents? Do you believe that resistance is the reason why you often can't accomplish a lot with your school clients? Well, if you do, you are in the majority because most people, when I ask that question, say, oh yes, there are resistant people. And chances are you're right. But I want to share something with you that Steve DeShazer said that has become a very famous quote in the solution-focused world. He said, quote, There is no such thing as a resistant client, only an inflexible therapist. Now, before you turn off this podcast and listen to some music, let me, let me talk a little bit more about that. What does it mean? Here's the thing, everybody. When we think of people as resistant, maybe there's a, a teacher at school who simply likes to stop by, complain, and go on and expects you to fix things without her or him helping out. And you get tired of it. And so tired of it that when he or she stops by again, you're like, yes. And they can tell on your face you're really not into them. That increases the resistance. And I know that's tough. 
which means that we have to begin to think about how are we thinking about that teacher each time he or she comes in, because that's going to direct how that conversation goes. So the flexible counselor that DeShazer is talking about, who hears a person walk in and complain, and you're trying to give them ideas and say, oh, try that, find something else. Then we don't do that anymore. We do something different. We say something like, you know, Mr. Johnson, sit down for a second. I don't think I quite get what you're trying to, to ask me to do. And I see you as an expert and I'd like for a few minutes to find a way to connect with you so that I can, I can work with you and help you come up with the ideas that will make a difference for you. Would that be okay? Cause this sounds really awful for you. Or for the student who comes in, that's been sent to you and they sit down, they're not happy to be there. Good news is they could have run off, but they came to see you. So they want something, even if it is just a signature on the referral slip, but they sit there and they're not willing to talk and their arms are crossed and you're at your wits end going, what on earth am I going to do with the student? You ask them, you say something like, you know, it seems like it's really hard. What's it going to take for you not to have to come back here? What's it going to take for you so that people begin to see the kind of student you can be and watch what happens in front of you. I remember the first time I asked a very, very challenging adolescent a question after he had gone on and on and on. I said, people just don't get me. If the teachers got me, they would not treat me the way they do. They just don't get me. My parents don't get me. And I listened to those words and I said, help me get you. Who exactly are you? If I had a chance to watch the kind of kid you really are, who would I see if I watched you at school? What would I see if I watched you at home? Because I hear when you talk about your little brother and the things you do with him, I see a kid that really cares about people. What would your friends say about you? The first time I asked that question, who are you really? I remember the kid very, very clearly in my mind. He sat up and he said, and he pointed his finger at me. He said, they don't get me at all, Linda. They do not get me. And I'll tell you who I really am. I'm okay. I think I'm smart, but the way the teachers teach me and the way they, they act around me, why should I care? And that led us to an amazing conversation where we started talking about who would he be if he had an experiment for a few days and he showed the teachers who he was and he just brainstormed all kinds of things. And he still wasn't sure anybody would notice. And I said, you know, you may be right. So tell you what, if you really want to do this thing, you and I need to send an email to your teachers and we can do it right now. Letting them know, Hey, watch out for what Johnny does just for the next few days. He's got some ideas that might help him be the student that you've been looking for. You know, I've never had a student turn me down for that either. When I said, can I email your teachers and you and I can co-sign it and tell them to watch out for who you really can be. I've never had a kid say no, but that's what I mean by finding a way in being flexible. Maybe there's a parent who, you know, will continue to, cause you all kinds of headaches maybe and push your buttons and you dread the appointments. You always hope they'll cancel. I remember those. But when we look at them like that, 
again, it robs us of being the people that I know you are, which is a caring soul who does want to do good things in the world or you wouldn't be in the profession you're in. I remember a very, quote, passionate father whose ex-wife brought him in to see me one day. And when he walked in, the first thing he said was, I don't like counselors. Didn't say I didn't like you, ma'am, but don't like counselors. Don't believe in it at all. First thing he said, he sat down and listened. At first, he wasn't very attentive, looked at his phone. But then he started pacing back and forth because he was on his phone again and typing in some things and the mother was looking at me, rolling her eyes. And I looked at the father, I stopped the conversation and I looked at the father and I said, you know, I know that you said that you don't like coming to counseling, but one thing I do think I'm beginning to realize about you since you came was that you must love your son. The guy stops in the middle of my office, seriously, puts his phone down for a minute, said, yes, I do. Or I wouldn't be here. I said, tell me about it. This is hard for you to be here and you're here. So what does that tell me about the kind of father you are? And he slowly goes and sits down. And for the rest of the session, he listens and we talk and we, we discuss the idea of, you know, what he wants for his son. And as it turned out, it was the same thing his wife or ex-wife wanted for her son. And I asked a question that I love asking. I asked them both. Let's go 20 years into the future. Your son is now 37 years old. And I say to him, when I walk up to him, tell me, what was it like? What was it like for you when you were 17 with your mom and dad? And I looked at them both and I said, what do you think? What do you, what do you hope he says to me? Both parents got very quiet. But eventually they began to brainstorm how they hoped their son would remember them 20 years from now. The next session comes along and guess what? Father walks in, shakes my hand, says, good to see you, Linda. Anxious to talk to you, find out some more things. Because you know what? I had a better weekend with my kid. This stuff works. The last idea I'm going to share with you today is pretty simple. If something works, don't change it. If it doesn't, do something different. I mean, you know, we've heard people quoted all over the world saying something like, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over is insanity. And in the solution-focused world, it's really, really important, particularly when you're working with parents and, and with teachers who try so, so hard. I truly believe they try hard. And they get exasperated and they come to you and they want you to give them answers. And with the solution-focused approach says, don't give answers. Instead, let's ask them what they've tried so far. Maybe you've got a teacher who comes and says, I'm at my wit's end. I have tried everything to reach this second grade student and nothing works. All he wants to do is sit there and play on the computer and play games at lunch. And he just hardly ever looks up at me and he's really, really bright, but I can't seem to find a way in. And, and I might ask her, what have you tried so far? Because I know you're a great teacher. And she might say something like, well, I told him, you know, if, if he keeps on ignoring me, I'm going to have to pull him in at recess. You know, I'll have to do his schoolwork then, do his spelling words then and miss recess. 
So what else have you tried? Well, I tried calling his parents and telling them that he may fail the class if he continues to act like this and not do his work and still focus on the video games. Oh, what else have you tried? And she goes on. Solution Focus Approach says, wow, you have really, really tried a lot. Would it be okay if we looked at things a little differently just for our time together today? And she said, okay. And this is from many different teachers I've talked to with the same kind of thing, because many have tried the same. They, they try so hard and they get so frustrated when it doesn't work. But for this particular teacher, I said, you know, tell me a time when you had a student and you just didn't feel like you could reach him or her. And you did, I don't know, you, you just did something. And she thought, and she thought, and at one point she said, well, there was this one young man once and he was a really, a real, he acted out so much in class, gave me so many problems. And one day I decided that I needed to get a break from him. And so... I sent him to the office with an errand and I, I, I had, I was worried if, you know, if he'd make it to the office, but he did. And he came back and he was in a better mood. And, and I, I happened to talk to the secretary later because she was the one I sent him to. And she told me about when he came up to her, they started talking and turns out he has a pretty tough home life and, and, he was worried because his brother was in jail and the secretary was just very delightful to him and talked to him and told him, you know, you've got a chance to, to do really well in school and, and you don't have to go to jail just because your, your brother went, which is what he was afraid of. And that bonding with her made such a difference, I guess, that when he came back, he was better. And so we, we worked out, she said, was I made sure that he went to talked to her pretty often and they became buddies and she would ask him how his work's going. I guess that was something different. I guess it was. The next time you get stuck with a student, teacher, parent, and you think you've tried everything and you've even tried solution focused questions and it hasn't worked. It's okay to say to them, I'm stuck. I'm interested in what I can be doing with you and for you in other words what are your best hopes in working with me because I'm not sure we're getting where you want to go tell me what it is that we can talk about today that would make a difference for you you may be very surprised that what they want to accomplish may not always be what you thought they should accomplish and therein lies the magic of this approach when we have the nerve to sit forward and say I'm not sure I need you to tell me what direction shall we go in because you are the expert on your life, not me. You are. Thank you for listening to me today on for Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast. I hope that I shared some things that will make your days go well. If I can make your days go well, hopefully that will help your students, parents, and teachers have days that go well too. Right now it is professional development training planning season. So if you are in a school where you would like me to come and do some training for yourself as a counselor, your colleagues, or even your school as a whole, including teachers and administrators, 
feel free to email me at almedcap62 at gmail.com. Also, in the description for this podcast is my website. If you will go to that website, solutionfocusschool.com, you will see lots of free resources. You'll see opportunities to register for that are free every other week, such as SF Connection, which I do every other week for an hour where you get one CEU every single time you come. So sign up for that and I will see you soon. And don't forget, may the solution force always be with you. Thank you and have a great day.